Hey, good day everyone, this is Wholesome. Uh, just as a heads up, this episode is gonna be a little bit experimental. We're actually filming this one in South America at a hostel, so there's not exactly the best acoustics around. But Heathen and I do get to do it together, and we're gonna have some special guests. So please join us, um, and please forgive us any audio quirks that may be occurring during this episode. Appreciate you, enjoy. Good afternoon, loyal listeners. This is Wholesome. Uh, buenas noches, soy Heathen. Me llamo Hiden. Me llamo Hiden. Nailed it, probably. I don't. I don't know enough to be able. We to. don't speak Spanish, but <laughs> we're in South America, undisclosed location in South America. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and for this episode, we're going to be doing something a little bit special. Uh, we wanted to. Uh, we've had a lot of people commenting on how much they like the dilemmas uh, in particular, and we thought it'd be great to bring in some uh, guests onto the show who we met on our travels. Uh, so we're going to give them a moment to introduce themselves. If you'd like to go ahead. Hey, this is Vancouver here, uh, doing a lovely podcast with these two guys. Uh, so I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm an emergency RN, uh, but spending five weeks in South America on a nice vacay. And I'm excited to talk about some interesting topics with these guys. <laughs> hey everyone, I am New Jersey. Um, I am a management consultant living in the East Coast. Excited as well to be talking about philosophy, ethics, and moral dilemmas um, with these two lovely companions I met while traveling abroad. <laughs> and now we will jump in after the audio break. Get ready for the intro. Don't be Aristotle by your Plato knowledge, cause we got our game I like. Will Vinny Vitty Vici and Mustachio Nietzsche, and we'll never miss the marks, cause I'm awesome, he's even, and this is our podcast show. <laughs> All right, Heathen, so if you can go ahead and start us out with what's going to be our... No, wait, this is supposed to be... Yeah, this is you. You're starting yeah. us out first of all. I mean, what do we do? Yeah. Um, so what we wanted to do is talk about some philosophical or moral dilemmas, and we all know that it's all so much fun when we are terrified and don't know what to do and make decisions and put in hard places. So let's do that for entertainment. <laughs> um, I want to talk about this one thing that I heard about Red once called Philosophy Bro. He is my idol right now. He's what we're aspiring to do with, or at least what I, he then am aspiring to do with this show, is bring philosophy in a really cool, easy bro way. So there's one article I read on there. It's about um, a dilemma. Let, let me just read it to you partially, and then let's see what you guys think about it. So uh, a lot of this is going to be just reading verbatim from the website. So philosophybro.com. I uh, get no money from them, but they're sick. So he writes, like, let's say I'm on my way to a party and I'm looking fly as shit and I smell good. We told them bitchy third. I just started meeting. <laughs> it's not his fault. I'm gonna bleep you out. Fine, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, right. Say bitchin. <laughs> like, let's say I'm on my way to a party and I'm looking fly as shit and I smell good because you already know. And I've got a 30 rack of natty because I'll be if I show up empty-handed to the house and I'm about to burn down. Once I get over this bridge and turn the corner, I've arrived, and so has the party. Except, I hear a bunch of splashing, and I look over the bridge and into the river, and f*** me, there's a kid flailing around and calling for help, like he's drowning for some reason, instead of handling his shit like an adult. I should save his life, right? What do you guys think? Why is this a question? I'm just building up. I'm building up to <laughs> Oh, I, I, I guess there's like other things that are gonna. Yeah, come it, there's gonna be more. It's yeah. not just should you save his life when you look fly. In this scenario, I think the easy answer right now, I think, I agree, is just you save the life. You know, you're 
going to a party, but how can you value looking good for a party versus preserving a life? I mean, I think that it depends on what your capabilities are, but like, yes, if you are able to jump into, what is it, that river, yeah, lake, river. whatever, save that kid, yes, you can, but if you can't swim, but you can call 911, then yeah. For sure, you know, for sure. You're gonna do everything to the best of your ability to save that person's life. I love that capabilities thing, I definitely wanna jump into that later. Yeah, that's very good. So for this, we'll say we can swim. We have no issues, no disabilities. I love how much you're justifying this. You're like, this, 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 it's just a kid. Your shirt's gonna get ruined, you're not gonna smell as good, maybe some beers exploded, but yeah. Like, <laughs> I love how much you get into it, but sick. Just, yes, save the kid's life. Okay, cool. So, he goes on to say, can you imagine what a tremendous i would have to be to not save the kid? Like, imagine that conversation. Oh, you brought beer? Yeah, bro, I wouldn't let anything stop me. Not even the child who literally drowned on my way over here. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I let a child drown to death, but I brought some beer. <laughs> But a child died. Sure, but beer. <laughs> Plus, I smell good. Who's DJing tonight? <laughs> but a child died. So, like, basically, of course, everyone's yeah. gonna do this, right? Yeah, that's easy. So we can all agree, saving a child for the low cost of quote, who gives a shit? <laughs> it was just some beer and a shirt and a weird smell. You should save the child. Easy. Uh, what if the child is further away, but you can still save him? Like, maybe the next morning, I'm stumbling home from the party with my friend, and I'm carrying the now empty kid keg we killed, when way downstream, I see another kid drowning. I'm in no condition to swim that far, but I know that if I throw this empty keg in, it'll float to him, and he'll be able to grab onto it and float to safety. Obviously, I throw in the keg, right? Yes. Why is that a question? Yes, you throw in the keg. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> you're down a keg, but you save a child. Yeah. It's obvious. <laughs> if my friend is like, eh, fuck him, he's kind of far away, I would be like, okay, so you made a face. What? What is that face? Tell me. Like. I mean, why do you have such a friend? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, like, there's no reason not to do that. Like, it's gonna work. Like, f that guy is what he says on here. Like, yes. Forget that. Why do you have such a terrible f that guy? Yeah. So even if it's further away, you can still prevent a child from dying a horrible death. All it costs is the low cost of whatever the can cost. Who cares? So everyone agrees. Who gives a shit how far away he is, right? I can save a child's life for the low cost of, quote, still who gives a shit. And I should save it. Yeah. It seems like we're trending towards, like, at what point is the cost-benefit analysis of saving a life? Maybe, maybe, we'll oh, see. We'll there's see the economics up in here, alright. <laughs> so then, the next weekend, you're continuing your party stuff, the next weekend you're going back to the same house for another party, this time you've got, like, five of your bros with you because it was so sick last time, even though it smelled like river water, and we're crossing <laughs> Look Out for Drowning Kids Bridge, <laughs> and this time, you hear five kids drowning. <laughs> Where do you live? That's Venice. <laughs> I love this. He says, it's like somebody told a classroom full of first graders there's candy on the bottom of this river. <laughs> okay, so you jump in and you drag the first kid to the banks and you look up and you see none of your bros have moved. They're all on their phones checking social media or texting, hey, you up? Like it's ever worked. Uh, why are all of my friends such unmitigated dickholes? What life choices brought me here? <laughs> so basically, no one is doing anything, but should you still do something? Yeah, um, in the context of 
whether a group is doing something, you should stick to your moral compass and continue to save children, despite this town's weird obsession with children in who <laughs> <laughs> can't swim in ponds. Yeah, yeah. really that's this town that's attacked, should teach these children how to swim. You bring yeah. in the local Y. Yeah. <laughs> Invest in the Y. Big takeaway. Invest um, in the Y. Yeah, I, I think that even if your friends are not doing anything to help, like if your moral compass is telling you that you should help this kid, these five children, you should do it. I love it. Both of you are talking about your own personal moral compass, sticking to your own values. And then you should question, who the f*** are these friends? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I were going to PG, but all bars are off. <laughs> Sorry. Look, I know I've got a day you, of editing ahead of me after gonna, all this. Thanks a lot, guys. You're bleeping everything. This is, okay. this is the heathen podcast, not the wholesome podcast. <laughs> yeah, yes. you're going to have a wholesome one later. <laughs> so Philosophy Bro goes on to say, so we all agree. Who gives a shit if a bunch of other people are standing around if I can save several children's life for the low low cost of seriously still who gives a I should save them. And we all we've all agreed. And then he says, at this point I'd like to point out, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so he does a recap and it says, if you can save a life and give up nothing important, it doesn't matter how far away that life is, or how many other people could also save a life, you should save that life. And then he says, what if I told you that for $5, you could buy a life-saving vaccine for a child? Sure, he's far away, but we already agreed who gives a shit. It's still saving his life, and it only costs you not having a fifth drink at the bar on a Thursday. Remember that $300 bar receipt you posted with the caption, hashtag just another Thursday night, wearing matching plaid with my bros? <laughs> that part's weird. <laughs> but he's saying, if it costs you next to nothing, you should still do it, even if it's far away. Even if everyone else in the bar is passing up that chance to save a child's life, but that doesn't let you off the hook, right? So that's the whole idea is, what's the worst that can happen? People giving too much money? Like if, if we all did do that. So wouldn't that be an awesome world to be living in? So right now, all of the world, literally there are hundreds of thousands of children in situations that are, quote, totally And even though you're far from them, you can do something about it. And we don't. Or do we? And I kind of want to discuss further on that. I mean, that's kind of interesting because 90% of the time when an organization is asking you to donate $5 for a vaccine for a child somewhere else, the child is only getting like 50 cents of that $5. Okay. Um, Supply chains. I think that it's like really difficult for people to make an on-the-fly decision mm -hmm. about things like that you know obviously of course if someone was like hey you have a chance to like fix human suffering and all it's going to cost you is like the cost of one starbucks chai latte yeah of course and everyone's going to jump on it but what i think I that Sorry. i think that like in general we've all been kind of duped by situations like this and i think we've all become kind of jaded and we have access to information and research that informs our decisions so much more mm -hmm. and so yes on the surface we look like bad people when someone on the street is like hey donate five dollars to my cause mm -hmm. but also like i want to know more about your cause and not from just you the biased person sure. trying to sell it to me so it sounds like the main issue here is we don't know where this money is going I don't know exactly how much overhead does the charity have and all that. Yeah. So, and if I may touch on that too, that just makes me think of a little bit of time I spent in Thailand. Um, 
when I used to donate anytime I saw, like, especially like a homeless mom with a child. And then I found a lot of the times the babies would be a little bit deformed. And then I found out later on that sometimes they were actively doing that on purpose, like breaking the baby's bones shortly after birth so that they would grow up with slightly deformed bones so they'd make more money when begging. And then I'm like, well, crud, now I'm trying to help somebody and actually in doing so make things substantially worse. That's like we, the scene for Slumdog Millionaire where exactly yes, and that's what I was like to the to. eyes of the child so that they're blind so they make more money begging. Exactly. Um, and then it's like, well, you think you're doing the right thing, but then you're not. So this actually, my mind started racing a little bit. So when I was in college, um, there were th I thought of three unique distinct examples of where I thought I could make an impact as like a benefactor, let's, let's just say. Like, very fortunate in myself, but how can I help others? So there are, I went to college at Michigan, so Ann Arbor, Michigan. There, I'm gonna name three scenarios of where my um, aid could potentially benefit someone else. So, so I could, my money could go towards helping homeless children in Ann Arbor who are geographically right in front of me, I see them. Yeah. And then, at the same time, the Flint water crisis going on in the state, can't see them, but only an hour's drive away. I could easily go and see the tangible benefits of my uh, my giving, right. and then third was the Syrian civil war was going on, raging during the time. My money could go towards you know UNICEF or um, doctors at borders to help kids in Syria. I would never see the impact of that mm -hmm. that aid. So the question is like, where should my allegiance lie? Sure. How do I create benefit, and and to which do my obligations lie? The, me as a global citizen, me as a citizen of the state, or me as a citizen of my immediate community. So that's like. Maybe not an answer, bro. Saying, but <laughs> perhaps an interesting question that we can maybe discuss. Yeah. So that is more talking about the distance, right? Yeah. So do I help people right here, a little bit further, or way on the other side of the world? I think it's also like a little bit romanticized the idea of like giving to like poor kids in Africa or whatever. Um, and you know, of course, it's a good thing to do, but then it really does take away from giving to your own community, and then like populations in your community that are suffering end up with much less because the focus is always on something much farther away. Hmm, okay, interesting. And so there's also that concept of unintended consequences. You mentioned with your uh, children in Thailand story was that, you know, for example, Tom's shoes, like you buy a pair and they donate yeah. a pair, but economists and analysis and it really actually hurts local community because now you're essentially putting like local shoemakers out of business. Okay. Yeah. And I know yeah, that. That's crazy. Unintended consequences, yeah. And yeah. Say with Warby Parker, you, you buy glass. Now they don't even, now they don't even like advertise that, but when they first start off, they just, you buy a pair of glasses, donate a pair of glasses to those in need, but in the end, it was a like, crippling local communities of eyewear professionals. Okay. Okay. So I think there's also this idea of like, perhaps giving to those further away based upon our current mission infrastructure mm -hmm. could lead to more harm than good. Sure. sure. So only save drowning local children. Only yes, local yes, yes, yes. Only, only yeah. <laughs> only if you're walking across your bridge in your specific hometown, oh, you have to save those children. Interesting distinction. Didn't expect it to go that way. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Philosophy Bro didn't come up with this himself. There's an Australian philosopher, Peter Singer, who talked about this, and his book is called, uh, he's got multiple, but one of them is called Famine, Affluence, and Morality. And uh, he, the whole crux of his argument is that affluent people, and I would say just looking at world affluence, like anyone in the Western developed world would be considered affluent com compared to certain others. Um, so anyone who is in that state is morally obligated to donate far more resources to these humanitarian causes than we do or than is normally expected. So that's his argument. Okay. 
So that's actually really interesting you bring up about the Australian economists. So there's a, a book called Blanking on the Name of Bias by Arun Giridas. It's a winner take all. And it's about, and I'm not going to toot my own, my own, not going to toot my own horn here, but like <laughs> kind of criticizing people like me, like people who enter professions in management, consulting, or investment banking, finance, where you feel indebted to contribute back to the world, which is something I would like to do after I leave this job. But you're, you had benefited so much from these institutions that essentially have winners and losers. And when you go and try to bridge the gap between the quote winners and losers, you really are doing a disservice to those who are in need because you can't, you can't kind of fathom the reality to create that benefit. Um, so kind of criticizing like the ex-consultant-led charities, ex-consultant-led da-da-da, because right, right. ultimately you're not putting the people who know the situation the best in charge to create that change. You're just kind of patting yourself on the back as you um, create these organizations. For sure, like, like give a man a fish versus teach a man a fish kind of thing? Or it, it's more, it's more like how can I, having grown up in a nice suburb, much a nice university, like everything's kind of like kind of one lottery at birth per se, you know, say I can help solve world hunger when I've never been hungry. So you said teach a man a fish versus provide um, a fish. It's more like how can I, if I've never had to fish for food, how can I create an institution that provides fish for other people when I Oh, okay, yeah. No, that's a totally good point. So <laughs> that was essentially like one thing that I actually thought of. And I actually have a real life example where I volunteered in Chicago and it was like this program that I'm not going to name the name because they do good work, but my own personal, the, the way it worked was they paired you with the first year, which was college student, and you know, they're doing really good, like the people are first in their families to go to college, um, helping them navigate school, graduate, get a job, and you pair, it's a one-to-one pairing, so I was paired with, so I, was a, as a white-collar professional, was paired with the, the kid, and it was a very like, Pat yourself on the back type of volunteering, you know, I'd raise my hand and talk about how to write a resume, how to write a cover letter, but in reality, like, he probably would benefit more from someone who looked like him, someone who understood what he was going through, who's been through coaching him through, through. exactly. Yeah. I felt like I was kind of benefiting from this experience to put on a resume almost, than mm. really creating that tangible change. Interesting to feel like associated guilt over doing something that happened to benefit you too. It's, it's a, not always a commonly held position. Brings in a similar concept to me of the, is there such a thing as true altruism? Uh, this is something yet. we're not going to get into. Be a <laughs> there isn't. <laughs> oh, come on. Maybe there is. We'll have you back on for that one. Um, <laughs> all right. So we are going to go ahead and move on to our next dilemma because um, we're already rocking pretty good here. Um, so this one, because I'm the pop culture guy, I was like, I got dilemmas for days. So I'm going to set the scene for you here. All right. All right. Okay. So have you guys heard of Daredevil? Yeah. Okay. He's a superhero. He's blind. Yes, he's, he's blind and he's got sonar powers. Yeah. There, yes, Ben Affleck was one of them. Most people like to not talk about that one. Um, <laughs> There's uh, a Netflix series. What's his name? Charlie Cox is the new guy. Yeah. He's doing it on Netflix. Either way, Daredevil, standard superhero, is like, yo, shouldn't kill people no matter what, end story. Classic superhero kind of guy, right? Um, and then, what's up? Original. 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 A top of the line. He's great. He actually is, though. Or is um, he? Bum, bum, bum. Go ahead. Fight you. Um, <laughs> And then on the other end of the spectrum, you got Punisher, you know who the Punisher is, right? I do, but please remind me of the backstory. He has guns and kills bad guys. Okay. And he's like, that is good because I'm killing bad right. guys. Right. So the difference is that he kills and Daredevil doesn't. Correct. 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 But he's also Nick Cage, and Nick Cage is problematic as an actor. 
no, Nick Cage was Ghost Rider. You're close. Oh, You're close. Ghost Rider. Um, no, let's see. Who who did Punisher? Punisher was uh, Tom Hardy. No. Maybe. No. There's John John Berthold does him right now. That's all besides the point. I know. Okay. Why I bring this up is because there is a great. Oh, so I do want to make a distinction. of Punisher is not a good guy necessarily, but he's not a bad guy by any means. Anyway. Or maybe, maybe some means. But he's a dude who's killing bad guys. Specifically, he does not kill any innocents under any circumstances. Who is defining bad in this situation? He Punisher does. does. He and that's does. part of the right. depending on your perspective. So he's what you call an anti-hero. Right. right. Anti-hero. He's so. a Walter White comic book. I need to watch more of that show, but probably. Um, so <laughs> pop culture guy, well, specific kinds of. You're, I should get, I should get Breaking Bad in there. Um, anyways, I bring this up because of a specific situation in the comics, which I thought was glorious in a moral dilemma kind of capacity. So here's the scene: Daredevil gets knocked out. He wakes up and he is chained up to a wall, and he's on a rooftop, right? And he recognizes that there is a gun in his hand, and it is taped to his hand, and that's the only hand he can move. He can't do anything else with his hand except move this gun hand, right? And his finger can move on the trigger, but he can't move anywhere else, right? Um, he, he wakes up, and the Punisher's on the rooftop, and the Punisher is aiming down his sights at a sniper rifle. And he's like, hey, Daredevil, glad you woke up. I got this drug dealer in my sights, and I'm about to kill this dude. Sorry, ahead of time. You're gonna have to kill me if you don't want me to kill this guy. And punish or and Daredevil. So, so to recap, Daredevil yeah. doesn't want anyone to die ever. Even if they're bad, let's lock them up, put them in jail, get them some sort of punishment, but not kill them. So like Batman. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like Batman, he's got the same no killing policy. Doesn't want to kill anybody. But now the Punisher is saying, if you don't kill me, I will kill somebody else, guaranteed. He never. He, I won't say he never misses a shot, but he is a dang good shot, and he's gonna hit this one easy. So basically, right. for this issue, take out any side aspects of maybe he'll shoot and miss, maybe it'll jam, maybe we can break out of this. And the Punisher even hits on all those things. He's like, hey, I'm wearing body armor. Even if you tag me, I'm going to be able to make this shot. The only way to take me out is to shoot me in the head. You can't shoot the chains to break them. They're double layered. So like, you've got no other option. You've got to shoot me in the head. So, and the idea behind these dilemmas is not to try and find ways to break out of them. And in the TV series, they actually did exactly that. Daredevil just breaks out of the chains, no more problem. But in the comic books, right, like he just said, the whole purpose of a moral dilemma, of a philosophical dilemma, is not, you're not ever going to be in this position. So it's not to see what you would do. It's to, what is your thought process? It's to play it? through your it's own morality. It's to yeah. play through your own decision. Where do you draw so your So don't own try lines. to break this. Do we have more context? In the yeah. Lives? So, so sure. What, what context are you looking for? Well, like, why? So, obviously, it was Punisher who did this, who, like, chained him up. Yes, like, yeah. So he like, takes full credit. He's what, pretty proud of that. What was, like, the reason? What was, what's their history? He knew Daredevil was there to stop him because Daredevil frequently stops Punisher from killing dudes, and he was just kind of tired of it. Okay, so you have, like, two kind of heroes, and one of them is constantly trying to stop the other one. Uh, interesting perspective, yes. <laughs> um, but one of them kills a lot of people, so in his mind, he's not really a hero, he's a villain. But in his mind, he's doing good for the world by taking out so the he's, stuff. He's his mind being Punisher's mind. Punisher thinks, yes. So he's like Dexter. Yeah, very much. Okay, yes, very great comparison. So other possible Dexter. 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 Well, Dexter from Dexter, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, really? Yeah, I, I have seen it. I'm very disappointed on you right now. Uh, um, okay, okay, so just bringing it back down to the moral dilemma, I'm gonna go to each of you. Would you, as Daredevil, with the gun in your hand, you got you got one bullet, one shot. Do you stop? Do you kill Punisher to keep him from killing this drug dealer? Just a drug dealer, or he's, is he a drug? He's like he's a drug dealer, but he's like a big one in the area, right? Okay. Me personally, I wouldn't stop Punisher. 
Fair enough. Um, what? So, I, I, because my perspective is twofold, right? Mm-hmm. So one is like, Punisher does kill other people, and he abides by his own morality of, is this person a bad guy? And there has to be some level of trust of like, is his overall ranking of morality like accurate, or can we can we provide some trust in his overall evaluation system? Two is that there's un- there, there's subsequent externalities that occur if you kill Punisher. One is that he's incapable of killing other, perhaps even more bigger threats in the future. <laughs> it's a practical. Um, <laughs> so it's like, is the it's almost like if I stop Punisher from, from killing this guy, what if he kills like I don't know the leader of ISIS next? Like you know, you really. Sure. But it sounds like you just want Punisher to kill this guy to begin with. You're not even like in the Daredevil thing where it's like, yo, killing's bad. You're like, killing's pretty okay if it's bad dudes. So, <laughs> I I mean, but the question is, do I kill Punisher? The question mm-hmm. is not like is killing bad. The, the, the question from the frame of Daredevil. Okay, so, so you I have here. to be Daredevil where I believe killing right. is so morally right. wrong. What do you do? That right? I, do, I, do I kill? Well, mm-hmm. then I, do, that I don't kill, right? Because I have to abide by my own moral code. Mm-hmm. So I will not kill Punisher because I cannot kill. And Punisher has to go do his deed. By so not killing, I, there's uh, a death still. There's still a death, but I do not kill because I do not kill. You're like one person removed. You're like, cool, ain't me. Yeah. Chairman. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because it's like a very extreme example of coercion. Like, Daredevil, he didn't make this choice to be chained up and have a gun put in his hand, right? So then at that, at which point then, can he really say he has to abide by his own rules? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like... Because his ability to really choose or to have multiple options has been taken away. Because at this point, any decision he makes, really the Punisher is making for him. Ooh, I like that. Ah, that is a great perspective. Like, right. you know, he's been chained up, he's got this gun put in his hand, and so then if he doesn't kill Punisher, then I do think, in effect, he has helped kill this drug lord, but he also didn't make that decision for himself because he's literally immobile. That's, that's um, a great point. Or, or Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he didn't ask to be put in this situation. Um, and I think that... I think that... Ultimately, whatever happens, Daredevil can't really be made responsible okay. for whatever the outcome is. Okay. So I disagree, though. Like, at the end of the day, you have the ability to pull the trigger or not. You know, like, if someone were really forced me to make... You're, you're forcing me to make a decision. You're removing my options, but I still have to make the decision. But that's, like, whenever anyone asks you, like... If there was a gun against your head, like, would you pick a million dollars? But that's what this family? was. This is and a I know, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's such like a out of, it's such like a out of context scenario. You know, like no one's ever going to hold a gun to my head and ask me well, to like choose. Really. Don't think of it as a realistic. What no, I know, but yeah, that I do think ultimately though, like this is not really Daredevil's decision. I don't think, I think Great that, point. I think that if he chooses to kill Punisher, like, he shouldn't, like, feel guilty because, like, he was put in a scenario that he didn't maybe imagine himself being in. That's a fair perspective. Uh, I'm going to do a little tweak here a little bit, especially for Ashwin's uh, answer, because I'd like to test what we do with these, is test the water, see how far you're willing to go either way. Okay. Imagine that Punisher uh, he's a little bit more on just the straight-up villain side, and he's actually aiming down the sniper scopes at a mother. 
a mother. And he just wants to kill a mother. And now you're a daredevil and you're like, I don't kill, but he's about to kill a completely innocent person. What you gonna do now? This is tough. Yeah? Oh, okay. Right. Such is life, my man. Such is life. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Uh, so, my previous answer is easy because I was kind of operating under utilitarianism. Like, there is ultimately good that could happen from the results. Uh, he knows his terms. He knows his terms. Independent of whether or not it's his methodology. Like, his, the ultimate end result was kind of aligned. Mm-hmm. But this is different. This is like you're killing an innocent person. Versus your, it's almost like a choice of do I let someone innocent die so I keep my moral code and not mm-hmm. kill? Mm. Do I prevent my moral code or do I prevent the death of an innocent person? Um, I'm gonna stay consistent. Let the mother die. Wow! Wow! Die. So you're sticking to your code. You have to stick to your code because at the end of the day, once Daredevil begins to kill, then mm-hmm. his entire like value add as a super guy, think I would insult it. Ah. <laughs> um, but it is his entire ethos is like what makes him like a good guy that also t- I believe begins to deteriorate you know like what if he mm-hmm. starts to kill his so if he never kills then he never really creates such an extreme example so let's say he does kill and then now he's killing who he believes is villains then he becomes no different than the Punisher and he then who he whoever he believes is evil he can just continue to keep killing, and then maybe that cascades down towards an innocence, and he kills him under himself. All right. So that's that's, a, that's the Batman perspective right there. Yeah. That's why that's why he don't do it. All right. There's there's more I want to hit on with that. We well, we do have to. I, I just want to get to you real quick. So yeah. Jules, you talked about he can't really be blamed this and that, but does it change anything that you've said now that it's become a very innocent, very good for the community? Does amazing stuff. Raises so many children. Puppies. <laughs> 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 Three adorable puppies and a cat. This mother. Um, Yeah, I think it's hard because, like, your perspective is that he's got this ethos. He's sticking to it. Cannot kill no matter what. Like, if he kills Punisher, like, it's slippery slope. Who knows where he's going to go with that. Um, But I think it's hard because the world is not so black and white like that. Like, you can't expect someone to live in such extremes. Um, But... Yeah, I think that if I were the daredevil in this situation, <laughs> and if I didn't kill Punisher, he was gonna kill this amazing mother of so many children and like puppies. Eight. She speaks six languages. Why does she have eighty children? <laughs> She's adopted them all. <laughs> okay, so it's Angelina Jolie. Times yes. ten. <laughs> I think that if I were Daredevil, I would kill Punisher. Oh, boom! Answer changed. Well, okay, no, no, no. this is this is. This is how philosophy works. Don't get <laughs> but I would kill Punisher. But again, like I said, you're chained up. Mm-hmm. Like in in the from the beginning, it's not. It was never my sure. decision. But I feel like there's a sense of like moral, almost like this isn't really my decision to make. It's like because it's been taken away. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. But let, let's say you have you do feel guilty about it. Like this is your decision to make yeah. the end of the day. Like what do you think? Like you you say kill Punisher, uh, pull the trigger. <laughs> Like, that's what you're saying. So it's not your decision to make, but a lack of decision is still going to have it's an still, outcome. It's still going to so have an outcome. So you must. Yeah, so you something. have to make a decision, and you have to, like, live with that. Yeah, like, yeah. even not making, even being like, I'm not going to do it, it's still a decision. Right. But I think that if, you know, then I'm coming out of it, and these chains are coming off somehow because I've now killed the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that... 
it's an easier way to justify what just happened. You know, like the daredevil can't sit on this guilt being yeah. like, I just killed a person because like ultimately they were literally bound in chains. This is perfect. Okay, so we're going to segue into the next and final topic for our moral dilemmas. But I do want to let you know how that dilemma ended in the comic, if you guys are curious. Yes. So, Daredevil starts, he's freaking out, but he's like, I can't let him kill, and he makes the decision to try and shoot the Punisher. What he doesn't realize was there were no bullets in the chamber. Of course. So, Punisher said, he's like, ah, nice try, Red. And then he just shoots the guy, and then he leaves Daredevil up there. Um, so it's it was this really him with his right to like have this like knowing what have I done knowing that he made the choice to try and kill somebody and that he had it in him yeah and then the next bunch of issues are just him coping with that so uh, that just what you said is basically talking about the guilt he had to experience exactly that yeah I think if Daredevil had realized that it wasn't really his choice he probably would have had Been a lot less guilt. <laughs> Oh, but that's why I love He's so Catholic, he's all about guilt though. But see, this is what I love about comic books and movies where you can explore these different worlds. And it's not just the action, but you can explore a decision further that we don't actually want to happen in real life, but we can see how it would play out. I mean, throughout this entire conversation, I'm trying to think of a real world example where like <laughs> action or inaction still leads to consequences. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. I see it all the time at work. Literally, like we'll often get situations that are quite sad where uh, we'll get a patient in who's like literally like critically ill, life or death. Do we act now? Do we not? And we don't know their code status. So we don't know if they have a do not resuscitate. Mm-hmm. We don't know um, what their wishes are because maybe they're not in the in a state where they can tell us. Sure. What, what they want and so then we're standing there and legally legally we have to we have to resuscitate until them or a family member tells us not to yeah. um, but then sometimes there are situations where like families haven't had that discussion whether for cultural reasons or just they never thought they would be presented with that scenario in which case we are we have to do everything we can but sometimes it's like not the best decision it's not we know as medical professionals that it's not going to have a good outcome that this person is going to end up a vegetable they're going to end up with a breathing tube they're not going to be the person that this family member thinks that they're going to be um so it's hard it's hard i think in those kind of situations where you have to make those like kind of decisions about for someone else's life um, and again sometimes you have to keep in mind not to coerce the others yeah. and not to not to let your own bias come into play because like I said we we see these situations all the time and we 99% of the time can predict what the outcome is but we always like have to let so literal let life and death situations literal life and death situations and literal just, uh, situations where action or inaction yeah something yeah because if, if you must you know if we do nothing and the family member comes in and they're like, why didn't you do anything? And we said, well, you know, it wouldn't have had a good outcome. Like that, that, doesn't, that doesn't help them. That doesn't help anyone in this scenario. Um, 
And again, what if it was the 1% person that maybe if we had resuscitated, they would have been fine. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Um, sorry, it's just a very real scenario. It makes sense for why you're <laughs> yeah. like, hey, I want more to this scenario because yeah. I deal with this all the time. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that is very real. You're right, you're right. Maybe maybe now's a good time to, to pause. Let's let's all take a moment, take a breath, think over what we've learned so far and uh let's let's come back to this next week. We'll uh we've got some more for you. Tune in next time. Don't be ever startled by your Plato knowledge, cause we got our game I like. We'll be